a little while back, I reached out and I asked you to tell me what are the biggest challenges you're facing right now in your business? And I got a ton of great responses. Do you want to know what the top two answers were? Number one, struggling with profitability. And number two, finding good staff. Now, on today's episode, I'm going to tackle that second problem. I'm, I'm going to reframe this staffing crisis and invite you to bring a new perspective to the table. But I'm also going to give you some tangible, actionable things you can do to combat the problem. But for that number one problem, maintaining profitability, I've created a free video training. It's about 45 minutes long. And in that video, I share concrete tactics for increasing revenue and managing costs. You will get to see my smiling face and you will learn how to use some of the templates and the spreadsheets that I've given away over the years. Most importantly, though, I'm going to invite you on that video to think about profitability in a new way. I'm going to challenge you to reconsider why profitability is important in the first place. At the end of the video, I then introduce a new group coaching program I'm launching next month called Restaurant Accelerator. I hope you take the time to watch that video and then grab time on my calendar so we can hop on a phone call. If you're interested in leveling up, pulling yourself out of the daily grind so that you can spend time working on your business instead of just spending time working in your business, then I want you to schedule a call. It's totally free where I can learn more about you and, and your restaurant and some of the things you're struggling with, and then we can see if you'd be a good fit for the program. I've already filled a handful of the spots with very smart, passionate chefs and operators, and I can't wait to pull the rest of this group together. To get access to that free video training, visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash the daily grind. Of course, that link is also in the show notes. Get a better handle on profitability by accessing that free video training and stick around for a new way to think about staffing your restaurant. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week we toggle back and forth between a monologue style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this week's episode is sponsored by Virtual Restaurant Group, VRG. They offer innovative, turnkey, delivery-only brands that you're able to easily operate out of your existing restaurant with very little disruption to your current operation. So, we're talking about Ghost Kitchens, a restaurant that would only be visible on third-party delivery sites as a way of driving additional revenue using the infrastructure you've already got. By adding virtual brands into your business model, you're then able to diversify your revenue streams and generate more overall top-line revenue. You already have a kitchen, right? You, you've got a staff. You've got a space to do it. So why not maximize that square footage by adding additional brands in to help increase your bottom line? 
Best of all, VRG handles everything on the back end. They provide Cubo technology totally free. The very, the very architecture of this software allows you to turn on as many brands as you want, list those brands on as many partner sites as you want, and field all of the orders through one singular tablet and printer. You're not locked into any long contracts. It is 100% free to start. VRG's flagship brand, Midnight Munchies, was one of LA's first ghost kitchen concepts and generated up to $30,000 a month just in online ordering revenue. Onboarding is super easy with recipe guides and step-by-step -step training for you and your staff. Visit virtualrestaurantgroup.com slash chip and use the promo code CHIP2021 to get started. That link is in the show notes. Now, Restaurants all over the country are struggling to find not only good people, but enough people to staff up appropriately. I know a lot of operators have had to close certain parts of the restaurant simply because there aren't enough servers to, to man all the stations or to close on certain days of the week just because they don't have enough staff to, to even open up fully. You set up 10 interviews and only two people show up. You hire both of them and only one is any good, and that's the one that no-shows on their third training shift. So you post another ad, and another ad, and another ad, and that's what we've been doing for the past six months. A lot of people thought this staffing crunch was due to the, um, the federal unemployment assistance, that extra cash that got sent to people who were on unemployment. Many thought the crunch would disappear once that money ran out at the end of August, but I predicted on this show that it would continue, that the staffing crunch actually had very little to do with the added unemployment benefits, and I have been proven right. But this isn't the kind of thing you want to be right about. I know that. I work with a bunch of clients all over the country, and they're all dealing with this exact same issue. It's a struggle. I know it is. I understand it is. But here's the thing. We're pretending like this is a new problem. We're coming up with short-term solutions to try to fix what is actually a long-term problem, and they're not working. Realize that the problem isn't that people don't want to work at your restaurant. It's that they don't want to work in any restaurant. And can you blame them? Long hours, late nights, a lot of time spent on your feet. you got to give up your weekends and holidays. You've got poor pay in the back of the house and oftentimes unreliable pay in the front of the house. Rarely are there benefits like health insurance, PTO, 401k. Is it any wonder that people no longer want to work in restaurants? Now, I say all this as a 20-year veteran of the industry. I love what we do. I am grateful for the opportunities this industry has given me. But we have to acknowledge that the world is changing. It's shifted in profound ways over just the last 18 months. And people now are thinking more deeply about what they expect from a job, what they want from a job. And I tell you all of that because in order to fix the problem, we must first acknowledge that we have a problem. So I hope we can all agree that yes, we have a problem. So great, now we're gonna get to that. But first, let's talk about what we do well as an industry. Restaurants can be fun and exciting places to work, right? Oftentimes we're surrounded by deeply committed, very passionate individuals. Compare that to a, a typical office job and they're not even close. We take care of people for a living by feeding them and that can be profoundly satisfying as a career path. Again, I can speak for me personally. We work with food and wine and spirits and we turn ordinary items into delicious meals. 
We've got flexibility in scheduling and, for many, the opportunity to travel either the country or the world. All of these are great reasons to work in hospitality, but we have failed at marketing these jobs properly because that's what it comes down to, right? Marketing. We market our restaurant primarily to the diners who we think would love what we have to serve. But we also need to think about marketing our restaurant to potential employees who would love to do what we do. Now, this is first and foremost a marketing podcast, so I'm going to challenge us to think of this in terms of a marketing problem. When the pandemic hit, nearly all of the restaurant workers, in this country at least, were laid off or furloughed, and there was no way around it. That was all you could do as an operator to stay afloat. That much was obvious, right? It's still obvious. But what happened is that the longer people were out of work, the more they started to look around at alternatives. Yes, some people were committed to a career in restaurants, and they hung on and they waited till our industry started to come back. But we also know that the majority of people who do work in restaurants wind up there simply because of the low barrier of entry. I mean, think of all the students who wait tables just to put themselves through school. I was certainly one of them. Or the uh, the actors who audition by day and bartend at night. <laughs> I was one of them as well. There are porters and dishwashers who do that job simply because that's really all they're qualified to do. There are others who, who took the side door into the industry simply because they weren't sure what else they wanted to do with their lives. Restaurants are often home to diverse communities of people, different backgrounds and nationalities, different races and religions, different education and income levels. To treat them all the same would be folly. Our employees have taken different paths to get to us and are using this job to achieve different things in their lives. Again, to ignore that would be insane. I tell you all of that again as a sort of acknowledgement. Now, we all sort of know this already, right? This, this makes sense. I shouldn't be saying anything you don't already at least subconsciously know. But in order to fix the main problem, we have to be willing to acknowledge the problem and then go hit the problem head on. So first things first, answer this question. What do people want in a job these days? Obviously, all of us, we work to pay for things. We need to pay for rent and groceries and cars and college and about a million other things. But all jobs pay money. Some pay more than others, but by definition, we work to make money. Okay, so all jobs have that in common. Now, what else do people want? I think we can sort of answer that for ourselves, right? I mean, we want security and a good work-life balance. We we want to feel valued and useful. I think we want to know that our contributions are acknowledged and appreciated. So how do we go about providing those things? And, and how do we make sure that people know that we value those things or that we know that they value those things? See, this here gets to the very heart of the issue. Why would someone come work in a restaurant where they'll make maybe 15 or $20 an hour once you add up their base hourly plus tips? Why would they do that? when they can make that easily at a place like Starbucks, plus they get great benefits at Starbucks. So if someone buses tables for a living, but realizes that they can also do so much more, like landscaping, why not? Why wouldn't they just go live somewhere warm and do landscaping all year round? 
They get to work outside and, and make homes and neighborhoods and parks more beautiful. They can see the fruits of their labor at the end of the day and they can take pride in what they did. Do we offer that same feeling by, um, by having people clear dirty dishes and dumping them into the dish pit? My point is why people work and where they work and what motivates them to work is much more complicated than we would like to believe. All of that, again, is an acknowledgement of the problem. And I'm going to give you some tangible solutions right after a word from another one of our sponsors. Whether you realize it or not, your website is the most powerful marketing tool at your disposal. It's where people go to learn who you are, where you're located, when you're open, and of course, to see the food you serve. So why would you rely on PDF menus and static text to sell your food? Our culture is visual, and people these days want to see what they're getting. Enter Pop Menu, a website design platform that puts the menu at the heart of everything. Pop Menu's dynamic menu technology serves high-quality photos and allows guests to like and review dishes they love that will then live on that dish's website. These features all feed into your restaurant's SEO results to actually help you rank higher in relevant searches. What's more, PopMenu's automated marketing tools keep guests engaged long after their purchase, send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders, and promote new dishes, events, and specials. PopMenu keeps restaurants top of mind with guests. If you're a restaurant owner, you need a great website that not only looks beautiful, but helps drive more traffic and drives more sales. Use PopMenu to take your business to the next level. Best of all, Listeners of this show can lock in one set monthly rate and get $100 off their first month. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim this offer. Again, that's $100 off your first month by visiting popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. As always, that link is in the show notes. Okay. So people are motivated by different things, right? We, we, can, we can appreciate that, but we are all inherently the same. We wanna be fairly compensated. That means good pay. We want security. That means uh, reliability in your job and maybe some benefits. We wanna be acknowledged and appreciated. We wanna know that we're doing something of value. And beyond that, I think people wanna know that they're growing both personally and professionally. And we can define each of those things differently, right? Clearly, my priorities are different than, than yours, than somebody else's, but we all want those same basic things, compensation, security, appreciation, growth. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we transform our restaurants and the industry as a whole? Well, I think we start by taking the long view. Now, I certainly don't have all the answers, but I've been thinking about this and talking about this long enough to know some of the right questions that I think we should be asking. First and foremost, let's talk about this. What do we mean by good pay? I want you to think about how you compensate your staff and what sort of alternatives are out there, meaning where else can they go work and what sort of compensation can they expect out there? Remember, we're no longer competing against the restaurant down the street. We're now competing with other industries. And guess what? This new gig economy isn't going anywhere. It's never been easier for people to go start their own businesses and to go make those businesses profitable. Now, that could be anything from, I don't know, selling quilts on Etsy to, to building a membership community on Kajabi. The question, though, I want you to keep asking is this. Given all of the alternatives, why would someone want to come work here? 
If possible, I want to invite you to scrap your ideas of how it's always been done and start thinking about how it could be. Again, the world is changing and the ways of the past will not work moving forward. Before the decade is out, I think this country is going to have a reckoning when it comes to tipping, who gets tipped, how those tips are dispersed, and whether it's even realistic to maintain the practice. I know why we currently have it in place. I just don't know that it'll make sense for all that much longer. And if you think things are hard now, just wait till that thing comes to a head. Next, I want you to think about security. How do you provide a safe environment for your staff? And again, you can answer that however you like. Uh, physical well-being, mental well-being, or other things like 401k, which allows people to save for retirement, or good health insurance to make sure uh, that they're taken care of uh, if they get sick or injured. Think about what it means to provide security for people. How can you make this job a reliable one, a consistent paycheck? People often spend more time at work and commuting to and from work than they will spend at home. So how can you honor their commitment? You're a key part of their day. Acknowledge that. How can you make sure it's a part of their day that they actually look forward to? As we move up the ladder here and start talking about things like value and appreciation, really know that we're starting to talk about leadership. Keeping people productive and motivated is about good management. Making sure that they're acknowledged and appreciated, though, is about good leadership. And no, I'm not just talking about high fives and hollow compliments. I'm talking about culture. How do you make sure your people are satisfied in their jobs? How do you make sure they're challenged and engaged? Right? That's something we hardly ever talk about, but it's so important. We've all had a server who seems bored or, or disconnected from their job. How can you safeguard against that? Again, how do you create the kind of place that people want to work at? And do you see how we, we sort of went a long way out of the way to come back to this point, right? Again, the real question we need to be asking ourselves, how do you create the kind of place that people want to work at? You may know some of the things a prospective employee wants out of a job, but take the time to do the deep work, to be thorough. Do you really know everything they want? Do you know everything that they are expecting? Making quilts and selling them on Etsy might really fire somebody up. It's something that uh, they're passionate about, and so they find great joy in that. But it's also probably stressful because it's it's about launching a new business up off the ground. There's there's tons of satisfaction, yes, but maybe not a lot of compensation and security. So any job or every job needs to try to provide as much of these things as possible. So how can you make it so that waiting tables, for example, in your restaurant or working garmage is as satisfying as making quilts? Maybe it'll never get there, but how can you make the effort to try to get it there? Or how can you make sure that uh, compensation and security outweighs uh, some of the other needs like satisfaction or, or excitement or passion in your work, right? How can you even them out? First and foremost, you need to understand what people look for in a job, and then you need to create the kind of place that people want to work at. Finally then, and perhaps most importantly, you need to make sure you're properly communicating that. Remember, I said this was predominantly a marketing issue. Well, here we go. For this third piece, we're going to get tactical. As an operator, these are the things you should be focusing on when it comes to staffing your restaurant. Ready? Job postings. If you're creating a different experience for your employees, a better experience, then you need to explain how. Why do all job listings look the same? Change it up. Get creative. Instead of talking about the qualifications required for the job, 
Tell them what they can expect as an employee. Or try this. Start with the top 10 reasons why you're going to love working for us. Next, interviews. Be respectful of the candidate's time. Maybe maybe we start with a Zoom interview from the beginning so that they don't have to cart themselves all the way down to your restaurant. And when you do bring them in for an in-person interview, make sure that people know to expect them, right? Make sure your host is up front ready to receive them. Uh, you yourself should be ready to receive them if you can. Be on time and have their resume printed out in front of you. You can do at least that. When you do go through the interview, talk less about the past and more about the present. Don't worry about why they left the last job or who they worked with that you might know. Get to know them, their instincts, their work ethic. Your job right now in this moment is to see if this person in front of you can fit within the culture that you're creating in your restaurant. Next, training. Have a structured training schedule and make sure new hires understand the outline. They should have clear in times and out times just like the rest of your team. On the first day, they should be received by you if possible, then passed off to the manager if need be. Paperwork should be done first and then should be given uh, and then they should be given a packet of information, right? Like an employee handbook, a service manual or a kitchen manual, uh, menu descriptions for front of the house employees, maybe recipes for back of the house, and finally that training schedule. You should go over the expectations for each day of training and make sure they understand what's required of them every step of the way. Then give them a tour of the property, show it off. The dining room, the kitchen, storage, locker rooms, etc. Anything you think they need to see, make sure they see it. Then, if they're being passed on to another employee, make sure to personally hand them off. At the end of each of their training shift, you should be carving out five or 10 minutes to sit down with them. If you can't do it, then make sure a manager does it and that they know who they're supposed to speak with at the end. Ask questions and answer any questions that they may have. Your job is to make sure they're coming along. You should be able to tell if they're having second thoughts, right? Better to address those concerns early and part ways if need be as, to, as opposed to spending all the time and energy to train an employee that ultimately won't work out in the end. Finally, when it comes to training, I always recommend giving little quizzes throughout the process and definitely a test at the end. They need to prove that they have the knowledge required to go live. Make sure people know that test is coming and that the training is about helping them get to the point where they can ace that test. Managing. Now, a lot of us are guilty of focusing too much on a new hire's first week, right? Yes, there's a lot to learn, and yes, we need to get them to a place where they can handle a station on their own, but training should extend beyond that first week. Think in terms of 90 days. How can we get people to be as good as your best staff member by the end of their third month? Now, I recommend monthly check-ins where you can gauge their growth. You can tell them what they're doing well and areas where they need to improve. You should be tracking their efforts and sitting down with them at 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days. It doesn't have to be more than five or 10 minutes. I'm telling you, it's well worth it. Now, you should be training your managers as well. Help them to understand the business side of things and the personnel side of things. As much as we would like to believe it, they are not separate. They go hand in hand. So how can you create the kind of environment where people want to work by bringing warm personalities into the restaurant. Yes, it is possible to focus on the bottom line and still be respectful. Remember that. Make sure that you are guiding your managers and your managers are then guiding the hourly staff. A little bit of acknowledgement, right? Appreciating them goes a long way. Respect goes a long way. 
Growth then. Finally, I want to talk about growth. The things I wanted out of a job at 25 were very different than the things I wanted out of a job at 35, right? In, in our lives, our priorities shift. For example, at 25, I wanted a lot of flexibility in my job, the ability to give away shifts and, and pick up extra shifts. But at 35, my wife and I were expecting our son, and so I was focused on my future, on our future. So how I spent my money and where I spent it had totally shifted over the course of 10 years. So the kind of job that appealed to me in my 30s was very different than the kinds of jobs that I held in my 20s. That's life. Acknowledge that, right? It's important as operators, as, as employers, to understand it and to acknowledge it. One last word about the short-term solutions to this very long-term problem, right? Stop giving away signing bonuses. How do you think your loyal employees feel when they race back to help you out at the restaurant only to see you giving out $1,000 bonuses to brand new people? Unless you're giving them a bonus as well or a bigger bonus, I think it stinks. Instead, why not introduce a referral bonus? For every person that an employee refers, we're going to give that employee a $1,000 bonus once the new hire makes it to, let's say, six months. And don't get rid of this practice when the pandemic ends. Keep that policy forever. Then if your star server keeps bringing in new, reliable workers, she's going to get rewarded. And isn't that the person you want to be taking care of in the end? Isn't that the kind of person who should be rewarded? So best of all, if you do this, the new people are going to learn of the policy and they're going to want to get in on the action as well once they get past their 90-day mark. This is how you create a culture of positivity. Last then, but certainly not least, a word about technology. My biggest disappointment is that over the course of the pandemic, we learned so much about ourselves and our businesses. Uh, we did more with less and, and did everything we could to keep things afloat. Um, we introduced technological solutions because it was the only way to survive. And then inexplicably, we went back to the way we'd always done things pre-pandemic. You can't find servers? My real question is, why do you still have servers? QR codes, NFC tags, table ordering. Our patrons have computers in their pockets and they are more than capable of ordering food on their own. The real solution, I think, to the staffing problem is to adopt some of this technology to alleviate the burden. Table ordering, kiosks, online reservations, three solutions that allow us to ditch waiters, cashiers, and reservationists. This, I believe, is the only way forward, and two years from now, we're going to laugh at the idea that there was ever a time that we hesitated to do this. So now, your assignment this week is to take a realistic view of your hiring practices and pick just one area to fix. Do you, uh, does your job posting uh, look like every other job posting? Change it up. Uh, do the new hires at your place get menu descriptions and a, and a manual as soon as they walk in for their training shift? If not, change it. Make sure they do. Have you been scheduling 30, 60, and 90-day check-ins with new hires? No time like the present to put that practice into place. Now, this episode was packed with information. I think it's one of those that's going to be good to go back and review maybe later in the week. Also, a reminder to go check out the video training I just released. It's totally free, all about maximizing profits in your restaurant. The link to that one is in the show notes, along with everything else we talked about today. One final thank you, of course, to our sponsors. I am eternally grateful for their continued support. Thank you again, everyone. Go check out the video training. Schedule a call with me. I look forward to connecting with all of you. Stay cool, stay creative, and I will see you next week. 
Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout out to all of our gold and platinum members, Ty Hames, Bob and Kate Carpenter, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Again, the link is in the show notes.